Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at Supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Today, well, we're joined by one of the world's most sought-after and best-travelled cricketers. Dan Christian has not only played one day in T20 matches for Australia, he's been a gun for hire in Premier Leagues from India and Pakistan to South Africa and the West Indies. A proud Wiradjuri man, Dan has also been a permanent fixture in his own country, where he's represented teams in every state bar Western Australia. Dan Christian, welcome, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, what I neglected to mention in that lengthy intro was that uh, this year you've become the subject of a very nice, I've got to say, a read that's just hit the shelves, the all-rounder that you wrote with the renowned journal and author Gideon Haig. What was that process like? Yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, I've read a lot of Gideon's stuff in the in the past. Um, so he reached out and said he was keen to do, said he was keen to do something. And yeah, I jumped at the opportunity. It was, um, yeah, it was a, it was a, really interesting different kind of process we spoke every few days over zoom and um just about what i'd been up to um and then gideon and gideon spit it out in in his uh in his way and uh yeah it, it came out really well now for all your big swinging clutch bowling moments on the pitch you do have a reputation of being pretty modest and a, and a relatively unassuming man did the arm need to be twisted uh to sit down and do a book yeah, yeah, it did big time. Um, <laughs> I've it, never something I I would have uh, um, would have seen myself do. Uh, but yeah, the the way that the process that Gideon um, you know, took when we when we went about it just made it really really easy. And um, all our chats were really casual. It was like we were just sitting down for a coffee or a beer on a on a Wednesday or Friday afternoon or whatever. And and um, yeah, it was it was reading it back actually it was really interesting reading it back and Hmm. you know i forgot about a lot of things that i got up to over the 12 months now the book obviously charts yeah your travels and cricket commitments across the globe in the middle of the pandemic as well in those 12 months you know one biosecurity bubble after the other goodness knows how many tests and how many weeks of isolation you'd almost be an epidemiologist by now wouldn't you be as qualified (laughs) as anyone (laughs) i reckon i know a little bit more than most people about it yeah it's uh (laughs) it was a it was a it was a tough year um from that perspective but again it's just you you when you're in it i suppose you're not thinking about it too much you're just on to the next thing you've got a game the next day you've got training the next day or you've got a flight somewhere and um you're just you're just doing what you need to do and coupled with that i had uh georgia my partner with me and she was pregnant so yeah we were going through that around the same time so it was um it was a pretty 
was a pretty full-on 12 months. Now, just on that, I did laugh at something that was written in the forward, you know, because if things weren't hectic enough, now you and Georgia, yeah, you learned at the start of the IPL that you're about to become parents, which is big at the best of times, and daughter Harper has entered the world. Then you set about finding a home in Sydney while you're in Chennai. You bought it while you're in Bahrain. You settled on it while you're in St. Lucia, but you didn't sleep in it until you got back from Dhaka. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think that's been about twelve. It's been about twelve months now. We were, we worked it out the other day. It's um, yeah. It was a crazy. It was a crazy experience. We we got really lucky. We had we had um, we had some people helping us out back here at home and um, you know viewing it for us and you know, sorting out contracts and and all that kind of stuff. It was um, yeah. Where there's a will, there's a way. I guess. Unbelievable, and at the at the heart of it all is this format of the game that uh, you know we, we can't forget how quickly it's exploded. I, how has T Twenty cricket shaped your career? Now I'm sure this is a question you get asked all the time. It's going to be difficult to summarise, but it has played such a central role in your in your journey. It has, yeah. Well, particularly the last you know six or seven years or so, um, I was lucky enough to be a part of it the first couple of years in Australia uh, when it when it first came about. Got to play with got to play cricket with one of my boyhood idols, Andrew Johns, the rugby league player. But doesn't that show you how far the game's come? Like it was a, it was a hit and giggle then. It was a novelty. Yeah, exactly right. Well, even though it was hit and giggle, we were still playing in front of 20, 25,000 people. So you could tell there was, there was a genuine interest there in, in the format, particularly the, the, um, I suppose how short it was. It was three hours in and out and yeah. you know, high, high drama, lots of sixes, wickets, great catches fireworks, all that stuff. Um, and then it's obviously just grown grown more and more legs, um, particularly now where you know, you've got competitions all over the world and blokes are making, you can see it now, there are guys you know, making a, a, a genuine living out of it, and yeah. not even having to touch a red ball. So just on that, the, the financial side of it, and the IPL changed everything in that regard. And I wanted to go back to the 2011 IPL auction that you were, of course, were a part of, I think, for the first time. So it wasn't televised back then. I think you're on a phone call to Sean Tate, your good mate, and you're both in a, in a chat room, of all things, <laughs> when your name bobs up, D Christian, South Australia. And there was a, how about this, a, a three-way tussle before Darren Lehman's deck and charges. Uh, what, now, what was the price again? What did D Christian go for? I uh, went for 900,000 US, um, which was, yeah, it was like I won the lottery. I basically won the lottery. I put my name in for, for 50,000 US, so I was base price, I think. Um, and then, yeah, as you, as I said, there was no, there were no streaming or, or it wasn't televised or anything back then. It was a, it was on the ESPN quick info website and it, and it just refreshed up like a chat room. So the guy would type in who was up next and, and then who's bidding for who and, um, it'd refresh every say 15 or 30 seconds. So this thing just kept refreshing saying I've gone from 50,000 to a hundred thousand to 150,000 and it got up to about 400,000 then it, and it seemingly froze. Mm. Um, and I was a bit nervous to know what had happened. And it turned out the guy was just sick of writing the updates <laughs> and yeah, a minute, minute and a half later said it was up to, it was up to 900,000 sold by sold with deck and charges. So yeah, talking to Sean on the phone at the same time, it was, yeah, we were both just screaming with laughter and excitement. And, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty awesome experience. Oh, as it would be. So that's a decade, more than a decade ago, from Fringe International to Cricket Millionaire in a few minutes, basically. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, I think, I didn't realise it at the time, but but looking back, I just didn't handle the pressure of it either. It was mm. uh, the, the pressure that came with that, 
price tag. I mean, I suppose I put it on myself a bit as, as much as anything, but but it would have been so foreign to you though, because yeah, it you know, was big time. Everyone big time. knowing what you're on. Played, I think I played three 2020s for Australia at that stage, so um, nowhere near the finished product. I was 27 or 28, and um, didn't really know my roles in the game that well. And I suppose the game was still only you know, reasonably new then too. So um, yeah, it was it was. Looking back, it was it was pretty tough, but oh well, what do you do? You just you just go out there and you do your best and you know try and score some runs, try and take some wickets, and just enjoy this experience as, as well as you can. Yeah, and you're a lot more worldly now as we sit here now. But going back 11 years, I was going to ask you that because for cricket, that's so foreign. I mean, in, in American sports like you know NFL, NBA, MLB, the fans know what the athletes are being paid roughly, and the athletes grow up in a culture where they know to expect that. But in cricket, this was all this was new frontier sort of stuff. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, in Australian sport, really, I, yeah. I suppose. You know, we can speculate in the newspaper papers how much our footy players are on, but no one really knows. Um, but yeah, when it's out there, when it's out there in 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 the uh, in the press and people are talking about it online and in in the newspaper and um, that kind of thing, I suppose you it just puts that little bit more pressure on you to try and live up to the tag. You're better at it now, though. Was it a journey of of to, to get your head around that sort of stuff? Yeah, much much better nowadays. Um, it was yeah, very much a journey. It was yeah. it was tough. I found it really tough, and I'm and I'm sharing dressing rooms with guys like Dale Stain and Kumar Sangakkara, and I'm on more money than it. Like it was just it was ridiculous. These <laughs> blokes have you know, played a hundred odd tests and the best players in the world, and um, but yeah, everyone knows that that I'm on a, I'm on more money. So it was yeah, it was pretty it was pretty pretty interesting. I'm sure it would have led to some funny moments in the dressing room, though. Those boys would have been good about it. Yeah, of course, and yeah. probably more so when you get to the bar after the after the game in the hotel, and they're saying it's your shout because you know, you're the one that's on all the money. So that's it's, right. It's, it's that's, that's a drawback of things being publicised. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, you're in every shout. Hey, you're listening. This is your journey. It's thanks to Tober Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. So from Narendra to the cricket big time, let's catalogue the start of Dan Christian's journey in the New South Wales Riverina after this break. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, great to have your company on This Is Your Journey, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We're chatting to globally respected T20 cricketer Dan Christian. So, Dan, you're born in May of 1983 in Narendra. Now, I've never been. Looks like a beautiful spot. What What are your memories of childhood? Uh, oh, footy and well, rugby league, and I call it footy, um, <laughs> in the backyard, cricket in the in the, in the the summer and, and you know, playing in the river on the hot days and um yeah that was that was pretty much life down there um absolutely loved it my old man and his side of the family still all live down there so i'll get back there as as often as i can um but yeah it was a it was a wonderful childhood i really enjoyed it and your heritage now you're an aboriginal man you am i right in saying you grew up well aware of your family links to to the Wiradjuri tribe but you know and that's Oh, gee, that you tell me that's Yvonne Goolagong, Laurie Daly, uh, Josh Adokar, and probably many others. So that's something that you're always aware of. Yeah, always, always been aware of that, and, and always, um, you know, grown up in that in the community down in Narendra. Um, you know, as as part of that Aboriginal community, my whole family. Um, Dad was one of 
dad's one of 13. So, yep. um, there's, there's, I've got plenty of cousins, <laughs> uh, <laughs> got plenty of cousins that I grew up with. I'm an only child, but grew up with 30, 33 or 34 cousins. So, um, yeah, really, really strong, big, strong family. And, um, that, are that have always been proud, always been proud to be from the Wiradjuri area. Now, just on that, this would happen years later, of course, um, as an adult. But your motivation to have in- Indigenous culture increasingly embraced. Now, you took on, you took on the PM famously last January in that tweet, and you did call on Scott Morrison to to read the room. And at the time, he had criticised Cricket Australia, hadn't he, for dropping the Australia Day from its promotion of BBL games on on the twenty sixth of January. I'd take it now, absolutely zero regrets from that. No, not at all. Uh, Cricket Australia, I think, took a really good stance to to you know, try and take the lead in that in that space, and um, no other no other sports had really done that. Well, I suppose no other sports play on play on January twenty six. So hmm. um, yeah, I thought that was fantastic from Cricket Australia, and then so for so for the PM to come out and and you know, criticise that decision, I just it just didn't it didn't sit well with me. So. You know, that's, I suppose that's one of the one of the great things and one of the drawbacks of social media. Everyone's got an opinion, so yeah, um, yeah. I, I thought I'd get it out there. I didn't think it'd get anywhere near as much traction as it did, but um, no, I'm pleased it did. I was going to say everyone has an opinion. I'm sure you were leading on just about every single one of those opinions after that tweet dropped. <laughs> Very much so. I had, I had senators from 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 Queensland going at me and. Former former ministers going at me. It was it was a, it was an interesting couple of weeks. <laughs> yes. Let's go back to the red row, safer territory. Yeah, because it wasn't all about cricket as far as sport goes, was it? You mentioned football, so plenty of old stories on the uh, World Wide Web, as it were, about how cricket's gain was rugby league's loss. So for a long time, there <laughs> rugby league was the absolute priority, wasn't it? Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it, and still love it. Uh, growing up, it was yeah, it was always cricket in the summer and rugby league in the winter. Um, and I was lucky enough to go to probably the best rugby league finishing school in the country in, in St. Gregory's college yep. um, here in Sydney. So um, yeah, got to play the, got to play the Nutrigrain cup as it was called back then, or it used <laughs> to be the Commonwealth bank cup. I'm not sure what they, what they call it these days. It's changed its name a heap of times, but um, yeah, played in that. And, and we won that national schoolboy competition, which was, which was an amazing experience. And um, yeah, played with a few guys that went on to play NRL. I, I certainly would have, loved to go down that path but it was my uh it was my school coach my school rugby league coach at the time that said he was the one that sort of pushed me to go towards cricket um plus they were just getting the boys were just getting a bit too big yeah when i got to 17 18 they were they were they were monsters and i was starting to get i was starting to get uh yeah manhandled a bit so um yeah i think it's worked out to be a pretty good decision one of those players was ryan hoffman wasn't it that uh, went on to play off oh, 300 and 60-odd NRL games, a lot of those for the Storm. And were you alongside him in 2000 when you won the Australian Schoolboys Cup? Was that him? Yeah, I was. He was um, – so I was year 12 then. He was year 11. So he was on the bench, I think, that year. Uh, and then the next year he was he was in the – he was, might have been the skipper. I think they lost, might have lost the semi or the final of the, of the Schoolboys comp. And then, yeah, he's obviously gone on and, and become a, a you know, one of the greats of the game. So, yeah, Ryan, Ryan was probably the, the – uh, Oh, in my in my time, he was he was the best he was the best footy player in terms of the one that went on and and you know really made a name for himself. Now, no room for modesty here. I saw you described somewhere as a slick five eighth. Is that right? Oh, I don't know if I was slick, but I was I was five eight. Yeah, five eight played played well, half or three quarters of that final season at that five eight, and then the um, the rest of the season at lock moved up into the forwards, and you know we sort of used to. 
the way the game the way the game would go, we we mm. sort of split our five eight and our lock either side of the field, and then the halfback would roam and the fullback would roam between. So, um, yeah, that was the way we did it, and it was pretty successful for us. So that move to the big smoke, Campbelltown at St Gregory's. I think you were you were only thirteen. Oh, that's a big move at that age. Did the family come with you, or did you board, or what was the setup? Yeah, so well, mum and dad separated when I was uh, about twelve. So then moved to Sydney with mum and to be closer to her family. So. Right. Uh, it was it was tough and and at the time I didn't understand what what mum and dad were going through obviously at, at thirteen or twelve or thirteen when it happened so um, all all that I was really aware of was that I was leaving all my family and friends in the country and um, having to move to the city so I wasn't that I wasn't that happy with mum at the time but as I said you don't really know what's going on hmm. um, and yeah it it worked out for the best I um, loved my time at St Greg's I did. So that was year eight. I started there, did eight, nine, 10, 11, um, just as a, as a day student. And I boarded in year 12 because uh, we were training all the time for footy and, yep. um, and it would help me, help me structure my time a bit better study wise. And I was really keen to do it too, because all the boarders were country boys. So they were the, they were the blokes I was mates with at school anyway. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic time. So, Loved it. so just on that decision being made for you in the league v cricket sense, and you know physically, was there a moment where you thought, "Oh, I've got to tap out here"? Oh, did I read somewhere you got knocked out? I don't know if it was the final that we were talking about in two thousand. Yeah, it was the final. Yeah. yeah, it was that final. It was the the schoolboy cup final. I um, a guy by the name of Anthony Tupo who played for uh, yeah. played for the Sydney Roosters played a um, yeah heap of games for them. Um, I ran up, I flew up out of the line and tried to put a big shot on him and knock myself out cold. So that was that was the end of my that'll that do it. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, it off, stop the game, stretch it off, and um yeah, I was I was knocked out cold, but you now eventually recovered. But yeah, didn't go back on the field. So um yeah, that was that was probably one of those times where you look back and you think, yeah, it's it, probably not a bad decision. It probably would have happened to me a, f- a fair few more times if I had kept playing. And was it around this time as well that you joined the University of New South Wales cricket team? So you were, these were, you know, like we talked, like your upbringing. There was some, obviously the yeah. league, but you, you stayed in touch uh, with So the in, I was 14, so 1997, uh, I tried out for the Campbelltown, because St. Greg's being out that way, I tried out for the Campbelltown uh, Green Shield team, the under-16 grade competition, um, and couldn't get in the team because I'd, I'd just broken my leg uh playing footy funnily yeah. enough so yeah. um by the time the season the cricket season come around i was going to be fit and ready to go but when the trials were on i wasn't fit so Campbelltown decided not to pick me university of new south wales were just starting uh this was going to be their first year of green shield so being a university club they've only ever had in the past only ever had the um just the the, the main grades and this was their first foray into sort of junior cricket so um they asked if I was interested in going to play for them and I went to play for them and um, yeah, and, and stayed with the club. I'm still playing for the club, uh, still playing for the club now that I'm living back in Sydney. So um, wonderful, wonderful relationship there. Um, Jeff Lawson has probably been the biggest influence at, at that club. He played there all through his international career and he's, and he's still coaching there, uh, still coaching there now. So yeah, um, he was one that, that put all his faith in me at, at that stage. Um, so played one year at Green Shield and then I was moved straight up into, into the grade system, started in fourth grade as a 14 or 15 year old and then third grade and then you know, worked my way up the grades. And Slats was there too. Was Michael Slater there as well at the time? Slats was there as well. Yeah. Um, we didn't see much of him, but I was lucky enough to play oh, maybe 10 
maybe 10 grade games with him over the over the um over the journey particularly at the the back end of his career when he unfortunately you know um lost his spot in that australian side so um but yeah that was a great experience to 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 play some cricket with him you're with This Is Your Journey. It's brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. You can find them online at tobinbrothers.com.au. Don't uh, go anywhere. We'll be back with Dan Christian right after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. Today's guest is Aussie cricket star all-rounder and T20 specialist Dan Christian. So, Dan, we speak about T20 almost being made for you and you for it, but and it's propelled your career. But your grounding is obviously in first-class cricket, of course. You played a lot of it, and in your book you describe yourself as a an old-fashioned country cricketer. Is that still how you see yourself? I think so, yeah. I... Um... I loved I loved playing first class cricket. The um, and ninety odd games I got to play, I got to play for about ten years. Um, from the first opportunity I had when I moved down to South Australia to play Shield cricket down there, and then eventually moving to Victoria and winning three Sheffield Shields and being a part of a a pretty special a pretty special team there. Um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. It was. Um, not something that it wasn't a format that I that I thought I'd like um, once 2020 once 2020 came about I thought that might be the path I'd go down but the more I played four day cricket with the the more I loved it and the more I enjoyed the the nuances of it and the, and the way it ebbed and flowed and um, just that whole journey of uh, starting a four day game and and you know fighting your way into the game to try and gain the ascendancy and then and then. Mm riding the ups and downs to then try and get the wins at the end and um and then to go on and yeah win three Sheffield Shields in a row was was um yeah pretty amazing experience. Now having said all that, I'm not sure there's too many old fashioned country cricketers hitting reverse ramp shots to the boundary like you did at the heat all those years back. <laughs> yeah, that was um I've seen that video a couple of times and it, it's um just one of those instinctive kind of you're just there and you, I was just going to play a normal lap shot and it wasn't where I wanted it to be so I just had to you know sort of flick the bat at it and and see what happened I never did that in a four-day game though to be fair um <laughs> but no the the certainly the the old-fashioned country country cricketer that slogs it over midwicket that was um that was the way that I the way that I learned my trade so that sort of came from that came from the backyard in Narandra. We had a pretty big backyard, uh, but the house used to, the pitch used to run alongside the house mm. and the house was the offside. So I was never allowed to hit it to the offside near the window. So, um, and it was pretty big, had a pretty big yard out, out the, out the leg side. So that's, I just used to hit everything through the leg side. That's how you used to be able to score runs. So, um, yeah, that's. I think that's where my technique was was formed. Isn't it funny how the habits are, are instilled in us from that even that young age that we get out and play and we we can't hit to the leg side, the offside because mum's pot plants are in a particular part of the yeah, game. Exactly right. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, but just that old school thinking. I mean, nowadays in cricket, as you would know, there's so much um, you know analysing. There's video review. There's meetings and there's techniques uh, scrutinised heavily. 
I was interested in a thought you made in your book that we've got a habit, and this probably goes across all sports, of drilling into the 5% that you might not do well as opposed to celebrating the 95% you do. So are you a one to sit down in the theatreette and pour over the vision or you're like, nah, more on feel? Uh, no, much more on feel. I'll, I'll look at I'll look at vision a little bit. Um, but, yeah, that was that was something that Andrew McDonald said to me when or said to us as a team when he first took over the, the Victorian job. Um was that we spend, particularly in cricket, you know, we, we probably we probably do it in life a bit too. We just spend too much time focusing on the on the things that we don't do well instead of the instead of the good stuff that happens. Hmm. Um, I've always been. I'd never I'd never put it in those words, but I but I think I've always been quite positive. Always been one that's that's been pretty good at at focusing on um, the good stuff that I've been doing. So yeah, I might get out playing a playing a bad shot, but. I've just faced, you know, 40, mm. 50, 60, 70 balls, whatever it might have been, um, and done some really good stuff there. And, and, I'd, and I'd look back and try and focus on that. And if I was going to look at footage, um, more often than not, I'd be looking at the good shots and, and you know, ignoring the bad ones or, you know, spending very little time focusing on the, on the bad ones. Just on that mindset, you mentioned Victoria. We go back to a few years. I think you're 34. Now, the Vicks haven't renewed your contract. You'd played a season at, at the Delhi Daredevils, but I think you'd only started a handful of maybe four times. So the tank, you know, most people would say is about to hit empty. You're now 39, obviously still going. How did it turn? Uh, I think my my time at uh, Nottinghamshire in England, which is which has just finished up, um, just finished up last month, had... Ended up having eight eight seasons there and working with working with Mick Newell and, and Peter Moore's uh, Paul Frank's coaching staff there. Um, they were they were the big most instrumental instrumental ones there. That was 2015. I first went there, um, and they really Pete Moore's in particular really we really worked on a on a role for me that finishing kind of role in 2020 cricket where I was coming in. We ended up working out that the best time for me to come in in that side was about the 10th over. So regardless of how many wickets we'd lost, I'd come in about the 10th over hmm. face 10 or 12 balls and then, and then be able to cash in and, and slog a few at the back end. So um, I had a lot of success doing that and we had a lot of success doing it as a team. Uh, and that, and that really catapulted the next, the next few years for me. I ended up playing more of that role back here in Australia. It ended up giving me opportunities to go and play, Elsewhere, a couple more IPL gigs, um, a couple of gigs in South Africa, um, the Caribbean. Um, eventually, got me back in the Australian team a couple of times as well. Um, so yeah, it was it was certainly the it was certainly the um, obviously I had the success, but it was the confidence that I got from from that as well that yeah. that um, yeah pushed me on for the next few years. Geez, you're well travelled, but just the the chaos brought on by COVID while you're at these overseas tournaments in recent times. I mean, the decision to leave. You know, the Pakistan Super League couldn't have been easy. The measures that were put in place for the IPL last year, I imagine some really worrying times, uh, periods of uncertainty. Jeez, uh, heaven forbid you were blocked by the Australian government from returning at one point. I, I guess a reminder that you've just got to look after number one or, and as an extension, look after Georgia and your family and those things become more important in moments like that. Yeah, the um, the Pakistan Super League one was interesting. It, it, it uh, I made the decision to leave. We'd, we'd heard the rumour that a, a couple of blokes had got it. I think Farwad Ahmed, who ended up playing, uh, I played a lot of cricket with him in Victoria. He was the first one to get it, I think, in the hotel. Mm. Um, and all six teams are in the hotel in the Pakistan Super League. Everyone's going down. 
everyone sees every other, everyone at breakfast and so you're there, everyone's hugging and yeah, get out, mate, how you going? You know, when's your next game? Blah, blah, blah. I did laugh at one point in the book where you, you would ask people, are you in the bubble? Yeah, yeah, man, I'm in the bubble. I'm in the bubble. Yeah. There's a big yeah. bubble. <laughs> the big bubble. So there's people everywhere, like blokes you don't even recognise and they just say, you know, their staff, oh yeah, I'm in the bubble. <laughs> so... It was it was just a recipe for for disaster really. Once it once once COVID got in, so mm. um, I ended up making the decision to leave. I told the um, I texted the boss of the PSL and said, "Sorry, mate, I'm I'm out. I just don't I don't think this is going in the right direction." Um, and ended up getting on a plane later that morning. Out went went to Dubai, um, and then three or four hours later, the comp got cancelled anyway. So. Um, I ended up just getting out at the right time. There were a few other guys that got stuck there for a few more days because they couldn't get flights. And mm. um, of course, the COVID was was flying through the flying through the uh, through the hotel at this stage. And the other thing at this stage too, no one was vaccinated, so we didn't know we didn't know how serious it was going to be if you got it. Yeah. Um, obviously, the way it was reported, obviously the way it was reported at that stage, it was it was um, you know pretty nasty. Um, a pretty nasty virus. I mean, it still is a nasty virus, but yeah, when you're not vaccinated, I suppose it's even more nasty. So um, yeah, a bit of a scary time, but I got out of there, got to Dubai and it was, things were pretty safe in Dubai. Um, and then uh, yeah, waited for, waited for uh, the IPL to kick off. Um, in the meantime, Georgia came over, um, which was awesome. She got really lucky to get out of the country and, 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 um, and get over there. And yeah, we spent that and we spent that next sort of six months together um trying to avoid getting it i can't believe we didn't get it i don't know how we didn't get COVID. we've gone from dubai to india to bahrain to the maldives uh the uk and it was just rife everywhere we went it was absolutely rife and we just yeah we we somehow avoided it georgia deserves some sort of medal doesn't she i mean i, I don't know you how many weeks you were apart from her for almost all the pregnancies that worked out weren't you yeah eventually yeah so um we finally got to the UK. We were, that was always the plan to get to the UK. And we finally got to the UK. We were there for, we did our 10 days of isolation in, in the hotel. Then we got out, we were out for three or four days and George Bailey rings and says, do you want to go to the West Indies? <laughs> um, and I said, yeah, that's, would love to at, at 37 or 38, whatever it was at this time. Um, you know, jumped at the opportunity. Uh, unfortunately though, rather than get on a plane from London to Barbados, for 10 hours and be in the West Indies. Cricket Australia made me fly home, do two weeks hotel quarantine, get out of hotel quarantine, and then get back on a plane and fly 24 hours back to the West Indies um, to do another seven days quarantine once we got to the West Indies. So it was a, it was a debacle. It was a debacle of a couple of weeks, but you know, it was an opportunity to play for Australia again. So, you know, I wasn't going to knock it back. And, um, and unfortunately, it meant that yeah, Georgia and I were were separated for a fair while. Um, so yeah, we went West Indies to Bangladesh and then home to Australia for another two weeks quarantine, um, and then got home for home for about three weeks or so, and then back to the back to the IPL resumption for another five weeks or so. Um, it was so it turned out to be a turned out to be a. Um, uh, uh, three months or so, three or four months that we that we certainly hadn't planned or expected, but yeah, we got through it. I was going to talk about the recall of the national team after the break, but you ended up withdrawing as a standby player, which was an enormously brave call. You know, right before the T Twenty World Cup, you mentioned. I mean, you were you were fearful that after all of that, you were going to miss the birth of your daughter Harper. So that's a that was a that was a big call. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, I, I, the world cup was, was certainly something that I wanted to be a part of. And, and I ended up getting that opportunity. I got picked as one of the three reserve players with Nathan Ellis and Daniel Sams. Um, and Justin Langer had also spoken to me about wanting me to, to just be around the team in a bit of a mentoring role, having, you know, been played for a long time and being a bit older. So that was something I was really looking forward to. Um, but the World Cup final was scheduled for the 15th or 14th or 15th of November. Georgia was due first week of December. Uh, and at that stage, we still had two weeks quarantine. Mm. Um, the two weeks quarantine rules were still in Australia. So, which meant that I was going to be cutting it really fine and just did not want to be stuck in quarantine if, if something had to happen and, and Harper had to come, had to come early. So, um, it was a it was a pretty tough decision to pull out, but I'm glad I made it. I, I um, it was it was a it was a pretty tough IPL, and I didn't do very well, and I was copying it on social media. George was copying it on social media as well, so um, it ended up being a, a good time to get home and, and get out of there. Oh, that was really nasty. I wasn't going to ask you this, but I was reading about it. Obviously, the online trolls got at you when um, uh, obviously RCB got eliminated from the IPL, and they came not for you, which would have been bad enough, but they came for your your partner. Yeah, so I um, I basically blocked all my social media, knowing because I'd been abused at the start of the comp, and that's I, I guess that's one of the one of the uh, well, it's the worst thing about the IPL comfortably. Um, Was and that the betting? Worst thing about playing with betting because he's yeah. just because so, people just get so um, fanatical about him and and um, you know his teams, and and if they're not doing well, then then you cop it. Um, so that was a yeah that certainly wasn't experience and I and I so I turned all my socials off so you couldn't message me on Instagram or Twitter or anywhere um, so they went they went and found Georgia and started commenting on her like commenting on old photos that she posted months and months ago you know stuff about me and sliding into her private messages and and um, abusing her in there and saying some saying some pretty nasty some pretty yeah some pretty ordinary stuff so yeah. it was. Um, yeah, horrible, horrible experience, really. But um, no, we're yeah. out the other side. I guess. Ah, worse than nasty, from what I read. But would you reckon that is that all spurned from the betting side of the the caper over there, or where, where does that come from? Good question. I don't know. It probably. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Um, over here, we see it a bit with the trolling, and and generally, it's it's got to do with yeah. you know people losing losing bets and or multis or whatever you. you um, see it happen with the footy players a bit it doesn't happen too much with the cricketers but um certainly with the footy players but yeah over there it's a, it's another level over there of um just uh, just just flat out abuse yeah um and it was like that it was like that when I first went over there in in 2011 and um and I suppose that was part of the the pressure that I was feeling you know knowing that you were gonna you were gonna cop it social media is fantastic when it's used in the right way but unfortunately, you've got to cop it as well. If you want to be on it, you're going to cop it. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I suppose that's part and parcel of being a, a professional sportsman. Yeah. There is a lot of hate on there though. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we're talking to Dan Christian on this is your journey. It's thanks to Tobin brothers funerals celebrating lives. We'll be back right after this break. You're listening to this is your journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin brothers funerals. Visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin brothers funerals celebrating lives. 
You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. And Dan Christian has been our guest today. So, Dan, we're talking about the Australia squad before the break. So, as if all of last year wasn't crazy enough, you you recalled to the national squad at the age of 38. So, what was it like walking into, you know, what we viewed as the outside to be a pretty turbulent environment at the time with speculation raging about Justin Langer's future? What, what did you walk into? It was actually, it wasn't as bad as the way it was being reported when I first went in there. Um, and I think part of that was, well, I, I know part of that was that there was only half the half the, the main side were there. If that, maybe a quarter of the main side were there. A lot of them had pulled out of the, a lot of them had pulled out of that West Indies and, and Bangladesh trip. So majority of the guys in the team were, were fringe players wanting to uh, make it to that, to that World Cup to that 2020 World Cup late in the year. Um, and it was, you know, I think from a selector's point of view, it was a great chance for them to have a look at a few of the guys as well leading into that World Cup, get you know, 10 games experience or so into, into a lot of those guys on that tour and um, and, and see how they go. Um, there were certainly some rumblings within the team, um, but being, you know, I'd... I'd having not been around the team for three or four years, it, it wasn't really affecting me and um, not really, it wasn't really at the, you know, I didn't, I didn't notice a lot of it. I was just, just loving, absolutely loving being there, loving being back around the group and loving going to training and, and loving being a part of being a part of um, an Australian team again and being yeah. able to put on the shirt and put on the cap and the helmet and, and um, you know, just try and win games for your country. So it wasn't notably tense amongst the squad at the time. No, 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 not certainly not at that stage. Um, I'd heard, obviously, there were some chats around the around the team about about what it had been like in the last, you know, six months, twelve months, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, at that stage, yeah. I think just probably because of the personnel changes there, um, meant that meant that things were just were, were pretty normal. So regardless of whether it's for Australia or uh, any sort of T20 tournament you're about to enter for whatever particular team, and there has been many, of course, that you've represented, tell us about scenario training that, that you step us through in your book. What's that about and how do you employ it? Uh, it's more about just trying to put yourself in in the situations you're going to come up against in a, in a game. So be it three or four overs left in a game and you've got a, a left arm spinner bowling his last over and then you've got three overs of fast bowling um, or it's the way you're going to, the way you're going to try and bowl at the, at the start of the innings or the middle of the innings or the end of the innings. Um, and just trying to replicate, trying to replicate uh, the way guys are going to bat and bowl and replicate the way um, or the try and try and replicate the pressure as well, I guess. I mean, it's pretty hard to do in the nets. Um, when you're not training in front of 30,000 people in a, um, in a stadium. But um, yeah, certainly, certainly trying to, certainly trying to, to put yourself in those kind of situations and, and doing them at training so that when you get to the game, it's, it, it should be a bit easier or it should be something that you've seen before and um, an experience that you've seen before. So um, yeah, that's something I did a lot with, with Peter Moores, when I first went over to Knotts, we worked a lot on that sort of stuff in the nets and yeah. trying to do things. We'd work on things like trying to get um, eight and over. We'd do 
play a little game in the nets where I'd have to get eight and over, but I wasn't allowed to hit the ball in the air, um, which sounds when you first talk about it as a 2020 player, it sounds like a really hard thing to do, but then when you do it in the nets and I know, you know, you don't have the fielders, but you've got a rough idea where your gaps are. Um, it's actually a pretty easy thing to do. It's not a difficult thing to do. So then when you get in a game situation and you need eight and over, you look at the score when you go, well, I can do this easy because I've done it by hitting the ball along the ground. And if I want to hit the ball in the air, then it's going to make it even easier. Um, you know, if you're taking the right risk and, you know, um, short boundaries and, um, targeted bowlers and things like that. So, um, yeah, that was a, we talked earlier about the the period of my career when I, when I started to do much better at 2020 cricket. And it was around that, it was around that period when I was, um, when I you know, developed that role and, and just got really, got really comfortable and confident in that role. And I was able to finish a lot of games for, for the teams I was playing for. So this might be difficult for you to narrow down, but last summer in the BBL, you had some cracking performances with the bat. You know, there was one against the Heat. You came in at four for 54, chasing 149, 61 off 38 to get the sixes home. I think on the last ball, there was a 49 off a 23 to get home against the Stars. But what stands out all time? Favourite innings with the bat. And I don't want you to be modest here. This is a chance to get the trumpet out and give it a good blow, Dan. So what your favourite moment swinging the willow? um i'll say uh can i give you five i'll give you five (laughs) go go for it um i love it that you can't narrow it down too by the way i can't narrow it down uh my highest score 127 i think uh for middlesex batting at five against kent uh in 2000 13 or 14, I think. Um, got 113 for knots coming in in the 10th over um, against Northants in 2018. They were probably those two innings in terms of ball striking were probably the, the best I've hit it. Um, 30 odd, 30 odd for the Renegades in the semi final against the Sixers to get us over the line in, in BBL 8. Um, that was a yeah, that was a pretty special one. Probably more so the the period of the game. Um, yeah, knowing that we needed, yeah, I think we needed fifteen and over or something. Yeah, um, to get us over the line. Um, yeah, that game against the Heat was pretty special for me. Um, and then uh, I think that same year, getting a fifty off fifteen balls against Rashid Khan down in down in Hobart. Um, I'd had a bit of trouble against him in the past and, um, yeah, to, to smack him around and get a 15 ball 50 was, yeah, it was pretty cool. I didn't mind the five sixes in one over against Bangladesh. I think that was only last year, wasn't it? I didn't mind that one. I actually forgot about that one. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, we'll say that too. Yeah. I'd never done anything like that in international cricket. So that was nice. Um, got the opportunity. Matthew Wade was, was skipper and, uh, he and, he and Justin Langer decided that I was probably a bit, Given how difficult the wickets were over there, I was probably a bit wasted batting at the death because it was just too hard to bat at the death. It was yeah. the wicket was the wickets were pretty hard, so um, decided to front end it and get as many as we could in the power play. And they just gave me a gave me a bit of a license to go up and, and slog it. And yeah, I got got a hold of a few. What about with the ball? Is there anything that stands out with the ball? Bit of death bowling that uh, comes to mind that you that you treasure. These are all questions uh, massively without notice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've closed out. I've, I've been lucky to close out a couple of games. Um, 
bowling bowling the last ball or last over and having to you know having to defend you know three or four or five um got a couple of fifers uh in 2020 cricket which is nice uh you don't see that very often that i was um did that once against the thunder for the brisbane heat and once against the strikers for um when i was playing for the hurricanes um i think bowling wise i can't think of any sort of off the top of my head where I've really nailed it as opposed to just doing my job in a, in a good all round team performance. There have you know, been times when I've had to bowl the last over and, um, and, and got us over the line, having to only defend, you know, six or 10 or something like that. Um, but yeah, certainly not as many as, as, as with the bat. How often do you get asked if you could name all the T20 teams or franchises that you've played for and can you actually do it? Yeah, I can do it. You can. Uh, I've, yeah, I've been asked a few times. That's probably why I can do it. Um, <laughs> right, no. they, hang on. You don't have to do it now because I believe you. But don't they all have their songs attached to them as well? So surely you can't remember the songs. <laughs> no, well, fun, it's funny. Funnily enough, 2020 cricket, you don't tend to have – I've hardly had a team song right. in 2020 cricket. I thought they very, all had Very, very rarely. Oh, okay, okay. Which makes it makes it a lot easier. Well, fair enough then, mate. Hey, Dan, I've got to thank you so much for joining us today. What, what a journey it's been for you. I mean – you're a serial winner. Clearly, you're great to have in the change room, and your many clubs testament to that. You know, there's performing, but there's performing under pressure and everything that the T20 brings. So, well done on everything you achieved and continue to, and thanks for sharing it with us today. No worries. Thanks for having me. And thanks for joining us also. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey. It's been for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Jump online to find them at tobinbrothers.com.au, and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.